Good morning. I'm uh, Nayaswami Bharat, and this is Nayaswami Anandi, and we'd like to welcome you to Sunday service, especially all our visitors and online visitors, and uh, uh, all of you. <laughs> I'll read from. Let's see if I can read this without my glasses. You want? No, I'm good enough. Thank you. I haven't quite reached that point yet. Uh, so this is Rays of the One Light, uh, commentaries by Swami Kriyananda, and he's uh, speaking of the, the Christian and the Hindu Bhagavad Gita teachings showing their comparison. Did God create the universe or become it? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. The Gospel of St. John, chapter 1, contains a passage that explains the essential truth that creation is a process of becoming. The universe is not separate from God, the Creator, but a part of Him, even as our own dream, con- dream creations during sleep are figments of our, our consciousness. God's is the life. God is the reality. Not a melody could be composed. Not a poem could be written. Were the melody and the poem not already there, simply waiting to be expressed? In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Ego-directed desire is like static. It distorts the radioed message of infinity. But the pristine impulse from the divine, undistorted by limitation and delusion, is the life that gives rise to all that is. As the seventh chapter of the Bhagavad Gita states, I am the fluidity of water, I am the silver light of the moon, and the golden light of the sun, I am the Om chanted in all the Vedas, the cosmic sound moving as if soundlessly through the ether, I am the manliness of men, I am the good sweet smell of the moist earth, I am the luminescence of life, the sustaining, sustaining life of all living creatures. I am self-offering unto those who expand their little lives into the cosmic life. O oh, Arjuna, know me as the eternal seed of all creatures. In the perceptive I am their perception. It is the great, in the great I am their greatness. In the glorious, it is I who am their glory. Thus through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. Wow. So nice to be with all of you this morning. I'd like to read from Whispers from Eternity, Book of Prayers and Poems by Paramahansa Yogananda. This is called Demand for Removal of the Veil of Illusion. Veils surround me, Father, hiding thee from me. I love the dainty colored veils of roses and daisies, the shining veils of clouds of burning gold, the dark, star-decked shawl of the night. But 
How long wilt thou remain hidden behind all these veils? I love them because they hint at thy presence, yet still they hide thee. I long to see thee as thou art behind all this cover of veils. Well, today's reading, I think, is one of my favorites. I, I might say that every week, but this week, I think, is really <laughs> one of my favorites. The Bible reading, In Him Was Life, is, is so deeply moving to me. And then, in me, I, I am the luminescence of life. I'm the life in all creatures. Just this sense of this underlying presence of God in everything, in so many dimensions. Most of us grew up in the Judeo-Christian tradition, and God was far away. He was molding us, you know. We were like uh, clay pots or something. We were separate, and he was other. And to come to the Indian teachings and find, no, God has become everything, everything, Every single person, every single experience, every animal, every plant, all of creation. So trying to tune into this reading for this week, to look at this quality of how do we attune to this unifying consciousness that underlies everything. I was um, listening to an old talk of Swami Kriyananda this past week, and he told a story, amazingly enough, that I didn't remember. He talked about, I, I believe this was before Ananda, he knew a husband and wife, and the wife was extremely psychic. And he said, to tell you how psychic she was, here's an example. He said, they had invited me to dinner at their home, and I was getting ready to leave to go, and I realized I didn't have a clue where they lived. And they didn't have a telephone. So he just sat down, and he just thought of the woman very, very strongly, putting out this thought with a lot of magnetism, call me. And the phone rang. She'd sent her husband across the street. She said, I think he needs me for something. And he said, yes, tell me how to get to your house. And so that, he was saying that to say that she really could see things. She really knew things. And she came to his house one time, and he just finished meditating, and she said, I see a band of brilliant blue light across your brow. And I think without even closing his eyes, but just thinking, oh, I should focus that, he brought his mind to the spiritual eye. And she just said, oh, now it's at, in the center of your forehead. And he told that story, and I've been thinking about it a lot, because he said... I didn't see that light, but she did, and it was there. And, and so as I've been meditating lately, thinking of that story, and I encourage you to do this, I don't see light that much. Sometimes I do, but not very much, but I, can, I realize I can feel it. Oh, if I can feel it, it's there. And to know that, to just focus on that light, and don't worry if you see it or not. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about this underlying unity. And it's so beautiful that the chanters chanted, um, I am the bubble, make me the sea. Because a wonderful image that Yogananda gave was thinking of God as the ocean 
and thinking of us as an empty bottle dropped into the ocean, which of course is then filled with ocean water. And just this image that we are not separate from that. And I thought it might be fun to take a moment and have you close your eyes and think about yourself, kind of this feeling of yourself, your personality, how you present yourself, your, your way of being, your uh, preferences in life. And then now to take a deep breath in, exhale that, and just let go of all of that. And think of ourselves in a shining ocean of divinity. And you are nothing but just an expression of divinity. There's nothing that you need to hold on to except that presence of God that is who you really are. And as you look around... It's in everyone. It's in all of us. So you can open your eyes and come back to being your personality, or you can decide to just stay as your divine self. So thinking of this unity, there's a passage in the Bhagavad Gita that says that separation from other Selves, or separation from other people, separation from our absolute self, this is the source of all delusion, is a sense of separateness. And it's a sense of separateness that is where suffering comes from. When we feel that we are separate from other people, we suffer. When we feel that we're separate from ourselves, if we, if we look at other people and we think, oh, I don't really like that about them, or I really envy that quality in them. Oh, I wish I, they have that and I wish I could have that. That separates us from them. If we look at ourselves and we say, oh, why didn't I do that right? Or I made that mistake. We separate ourselves from ourselves. And if we look at God and we feel fear or we feel... Maybe I'm not worthy, or maybe God doesn't like me so much, or we separate ourselves, and that's where our suffering and our misery comes from. So how are we going to pay attention and let those things go so that we can really feel that unity that is the truth? And that's where our joy comes from, because it's what's real. Um, on Master's... Uh, recent birthday, January 5th, Davy was talking about the community. And she said, we are like master's hands and feet. And I was thinking about that because I, I've been feeling that more and more in this community, of, of much sort of like a flow of consciousness, a flow of the same presence. And it's quite interesting because... I think most of us who live in this community admit that we are a community of eccentrics here. <laughs> recently, recently, some person who, uh, said to me, you know, I just don't know if, if I belong here. I'm so different than everyone else. And I thought, really? I think everyone else is so different from everyone else also. 
there's about 20 different uh, nationalities represented here. There's so many different um, uh, backgrounds, you know, professions and, and things that we've done and we've, we've brought to the community and so forth. But thinking about what Davy said, I thought, but every day we go into meditation and stillness and we try to attune ourselves to the very same source, to God, to our line of gurus. So even though on the surface we have all these little quirks, um, underneath we have the sameness and there starts to be like a flow of consciousness among us. And it's something that I think, and I'm speaking especially to people in the village because I know that there's people listening online and our guests perhaps who live in a more of a diverse and challenging situation. But we have a, a great blessing here and it would be of value to us who live here to try and connect with that underlying unity. Of course, everyone in the, on the planet has it. It's just sometimes it's harder to feel if you're surrounded by people who are antagonistic to you and so forth, which is something that we don't have here. So in order to get ready for this talk, I was thinking, okay, I'm feeling this is all about expansion and unity. So I should make sure that I don't have any separation uh, with anyone. And so I'm going to tell you an experience I had, and I hope it might be useful. It was a little bit on the entertaining side for me. I, so I thought, okay, let me think about my life and the people I know, and okay, where's the separation? Who do I feel any underlying friction with? And I have to say, I couldn't think of anyone in, in, of my neighborly people here in the village. Um, again, one of the advantages of living here. So I, I went back. I knew there was someone I could count on. <laughs> this is someone that isn't associated with Ananda and somebody that I re really rarely see, but I've never, there's always been something that I haven't liked about this person. So I drew them out to use for my experiment. And to do the experiment, I, um, I did something that I shared with you last year which it was something from the Gita that was very, very important to me. It's passage 3, colon 33, if you want to look it up. And the passage itself is, um, of what avail suppression? In other words, don't try to just, if you've got some faults or some dislikes or some whatever, don't just try to pretend that they aren't there. And, and Swami explains the idea that if you have pain, Try to go into the heart of the pain and to release it from the center of it. And if you have emotional pain, and this would work in the case of separation from other people, which makes you feel perhaps annoyed or angry or something unpleasant, don't reject it. Just relax into the heart of it. And so how I've practiced that is to just uh, view it, to view it, to try to go to the center of it, to relax into it, but just to relax into it and let it release, release upward to infinity, you could think of. And so I brought out my trusty person, and I put them there, and, and what I did was I looked at them, and I thought, what do I feel when I think of them? Now, usually when you 
have a dislike for someone, you maybe you feel something here, um, like resentment or something like that, or you might feel fear in the heart chakra or needing to say something in the throat chakra. You kind of think the chakras are going to be involved. But it wasn't the chakras. I thought of this person, and I felt it in my back, sort of in my back, like along the spine and like a little to the side, kind of behind the heart. And I thought, what's happening in the back? Why do I feel this? And this is where it was a little bit entertaining. I realized that if I was in the dog family, that would be my hackles. <laughs> so this person raised my hackles, which, which helped to add a little lightness to the situation. So I just, I didn't think about them at all. I just looked at myself, and I just looked at that feeling, and I accepted the feeling. I just relaxed into the feeling. Now this person, as you have guessed, is not a very core person in my life. I don't have a lot of history. It's not a family member where there's a lot to work out. It's more of a light relationship. <clears throat> but after, in less than in just a few minutes, really, the whole, I, I really felt totally different toward this person. I just didn't feel any negativity. Not from thinking about them, but from just relaxing with my own experience and, and not trying to reject it. So I share this as one of, there's an, another experience I had also about this, but just to share this as something that we can do to help ourselves when we feel separation to feel unity, to relax from the separation, to let go of separation. Separation causes suffering. Who's suffering? Our suffering. <laughs> so we want to release it. Well, then another time, actually this was about two weeks ago, um, I heard a very beautiful story uh, from Nitai. Nitai is the man who started our Education for Life school. And the Education for Life school, a lot of it has to do with intuitive connection with the children, trying to help them develop the highest that is within themselves. And he has lately been, he, now he's training teachers around the world and starting schools around the world. And one of the things that he's saying to teachers is instead of going into the classroom with your agenda, to go in and really try to connect with the student. Where are they? Try to feel their reality. So he had this uh, group of teachers that he was sharing with, and he uh, gave them this assignment. The next time you, you're with a child, I want you to just put yourself aside and tune into where that child is. So this woman uh, walked into the room, and there were two two-year-olds sitting on the floor with pacifiers in their mouth, just sort of <laughs> little, you know, little kids, just like little lumps with a little pacifier, just sort of sucking them, looking at her. And she thought, oh my God, how, how am I going to begin to tune in to where they are? But she saw a pacifier sitting on the table. <laughs> and so she put the pacifier in her mouth and she sat down on the floor with the children, kind of in this mode of, I'm going to get into their reality. And immediately, they both got these big smiles and they started 
clambering toward her. <laughs> and it was a beautiful story. But what was especially beautiful about it was immediately after I heard it, I was supposed to go talk to someone. And I wasn't at all looking forward to the conversation. And I realized the reason I, having heard that story, I realized the reason I'm not looking forward to this conversation is separation. I feel separate from them. So, now I'm not going to act like, you know, I'm not going to put a pacifier in my mouth, but I'm also not going to become them. But I'm going to let go of the feeling of separation and, and see if I can't just get into to their reality in, a, in an intuitive flow. And the weight of the discussion left. We had a really lovely time together. I was able to say everything I needed to say. It was perfectly, you know, it was a perfect harmony between us. And it was a wonderful learning experience that I hope I won't forget. It doesn't matter what you have to say, you can get rid of the separation before you say it, it's going to work a, little, a lot better. So we're trying to get into that sense of connection. So trying to live unified. I was just read a, a little story, a very brief story, by a man named Leo Cox. Leo Cox was a, um, a monk in Yogananda's order, at the same time that Swami Kriyananda was a monk there. And Leo, I think, had a hard time there, and I, I don't think he stayed. And I, and I know he went through a variety of challenges while he was there. But one of the things he wrote was so beautiful. He obviously was having a very, very good day, and he was with Yogananda, Master, whom we call Master, and he was just walking along with Master, and he he was just pouring out his love. He was just thinking, I love you, Master. I love you, Master. I take the dust of your feet. I just, you, I think we've all had experiences where we are very, very uplifted and feeling a lot of divine love. And this was one of those experiences. And he was just in it. And he was just repeating it. And he knew that Yogananda knew what he was saying. And he was just kept saying it over and over. Master, I love you. I just love you, I love you. And at a certain point, Yogananda turned to him and he just said, Leo, when you're like that, I could take your hand and lead you right to God. And uh, that's a, it's a very wonderful story to remember because if you're feeling however you're feeling, go into that place where there's love and try to feel that part of yourself and let go of the other part. It's, there's always the option to feel separate. There's always the option to feel um, at odds with yourself, at odds with other people. But try to let that go. I remember vividly at a time I was um, at odds with myself. There was something going on <coughs> Maybe there was some stimulation from outside. I don't remember what, I have no memory of what it was. I just remember driving to Crystal Hermitage, feeling all in a tangle, trying to sort it out, trying to figure it out, trying to untangle it, and it wasn't untangling. 
And I went into the Crystal Hermitage. I think I was going to a meeting, and I think I got there earlier. So I was sat by myself in the sacred space of the Hermitage, and I meditated for about two minutes. And the entire tangle was unreal. It was just simply vaporized. It didn't exist. And so that's what we're trying to remember, is that there's a higher consciousness within us. We have have a little temple at our house that we meditate in in the morning, and we have a statue of Lahiri there. And every morning I go and I pronoun to Lahiri before I go into the temple. And I often think, about these masters and how they have had whatever you have going on in your life that's a tangle. They've had it. They've come through all of it. And they're at a space where none of it is real. And it's not that they're uh, living in la-la land or in some sort of delusion. They're in a state of truth. It's in the state of our vrittis, our little whirlpools. Vrittis are whirlpools of attachment and desire. And we feed those little vrittis and they pull us down, down, down. We rise above those vrittis and we realize they just simply aren't real. And that's the state of oneness, that's the state of divinity that that is true for us. We are not separate from God. God is living in us right here, right now. I just read, um, last night I was reading about Dr. Lewis's disciple of Yogananda, his first meeting with Master. And Master put his head to Dr. Lewis's head. Now, Dr. Lewis was just a man, a Boston dentist, just kind of, he'd been a, a spiritual seeker, but he was just, person just like us. Master put his head to Dr. Lewis's and Dr. Lewis saw the spiritual eye appear and then Yogananda did it again and he said, I saw the most beautiful sight I'd ever seen, the thousand petal lotus in himself. It was who he is. It's who he is. And so trying to get past all the little stuff so that we can experience our true divinity. I wanted to close by reading um, something that happened in 1985. In 1985, Bharat and I were ministers in Palo Alto, and so we weren't here. And we discovered, um, after the all-day meditation, that during the all-day meditation that year, Divine Mother had talked to the community through Swami. And we were a little sad that we weren't here for that. Um, But somehow or other, it was uh, transcribed. And this is what Divine Mother said, and it's very much to the point of what we've been talking about. Swami Swami said to people, Divine Mother has asked me to convey these words to you. I am very pleased with all of you. You can listen to these now and just realize she's speaking to you too right now. I am very pleased with all of you. I am very pleased with what you are doing. But don't live in littleness, in petty things, little thoughts, 
little worries, little ambitions. Live for me, for my love. I am your mother through all eternity. Nothing else matters. You were born to commune with me. For no other reason were you born. Live in my consciousness. Everything else is dust. I know all of your thoughts. Your devotion is very pleasing to me. You are my children. You are all very dear to me. Live more in me. Live in my love. Yes, build a community, but in the sense of communion with me. My children, I am always with you. I am just behind your thoughts, just behind your feelings. I am with you every second. Let no other thought come between me and thee. Let's just meditate on that for a little bit.